because people weren't trying to comment. Yes. Of course, so that may have been a, largely is due to a technical error. So if you did try and comment, we do apologize. We're yes. having technical difficulties. Yes, actually, that's a good point. I should mention that if you try to comment, our comment section has not been working for about a month. So I this person, how did this person successfully contact us, Stefan? Uh, they used the Contact Us page and added the word comment and then gave us a comment. So mm-hmm. thank you very much, Wobbaloo. You are uh, excellent. Um, so, basically, it's a very long comment, and I will post it under our latest, under the... I'll post it under this one, actually. I'll post it under this comment, because that's where you'll hear about it. So it'll be under this one. Uh, It's a bit long, so I can't read the whole thing. But we wanted to... So we we read the whole thing uh, already, so we've already both heard the whole comment. All three of us have heard the whole comment. And we're going to get on to one part of the comment that we sort of wanted to talk about a little longer, and then we'll get into the show. So, the one thing that... that, that One of the things that was brought up in in this comment is the idea that big business controls our consciousness. Or sort of that big, what we understand, again, I don't want to put words in this comment's mouth, but we understand sort of big business sort of controls societal consciousness to some extent, and that sort of informs our own consciousness, and so we have to find a way to get around that. Also, they get into the idea that overconsumption and sort of this undiscerning use of technology all wraps up in this sort of societal understanding. So, first of all, I'll get Dave, because you sort of brought up the actual correct way of thinking about this first. So, your thoughts on whether or not society is controlled, or societal consciousness is controlled by... I think, I think insofar as the aesthetic of, of modern uh, industrialized society is controlled by the decisions of big developers and big businesses to um, take over large land lots and, and put up big billboards and advertisements and whatnot... It's true that what we see and take in on a daily basis is largely influenced by big business decisions and are often counter to um, aesthetic taste in the sense of, in Toronto, we get a lot of complaints about buildings being ugly. But I think, I think overall it's sort of an underestimation of the, of the individual attention in terms of what um, the average person might choose to pay attention to. So, I mean, and there's the sense that yeah, we may bounce around to different Starbucks, different shopping malls, and just um, live in huge glass condos and have our lives controlled or, or determined by large business decisions. But there's also, at least in terms of big city life, I mean, and, and rural life, because it's the country. Um, I think I think it's an underestimation of, of the actual depth of, of the intellect of the average person uh, to assume that we simply are drawn in naturally because these things are available to us. I would, I, I, first of all, I, I want to apply that, I, I want to first say that we, do, we aren't saying that Wabaloo thought necessarily that yeah, that's we're the drawn in. There's a little bit of implication. Uh, I want to actually get into a, a slightly different point. 
which is the idea that rather than sort of understanding how big business controls our society, I think what's actually far more powerful and a far more likely way that our consciousness could be controlled by big business is through advertising, uh, subtle or not. We sort of, you know, the idea that we see thousands, 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 thousands of advertisements a day, and even if you never buy any of those products, there are subtle implications you sort of get from places to places. Uh, I always often bring up the idea of teeth whitening as an example <laughs> of this, which is like 10 years ago, no, teeth, teeth whitening wasn't a thing. No one thought about it because it wasn't a part of your life. And advertising has managed to successfully both convince you your teeth should be white and then sell you a product to whiten your teeth. Uh, and that's to extent where now I've talked to people, someone's like, I'm thinking of my teeth whitening. Really? Like you're, you're my age and you're just a random dude. Why, why do you want to do this? <laughs> and especially given the fact that your teeth not being white is your, your actual teeth are yellow. It's the, the enamel on your teeth that is white. And that is, and so the harder you brush or the more you like really try to brush your teeth, in fact, you'll make your teeth more and more yellow. So the only way to actually, yeah, you can't grow enamel. The only What you're doing when you're teeth whitening is you're not protecting your teeth, you're just bleaching your actual teeth, the yellowness of your teeth. That's what you're doing. Sorry, Dan, you want to seem like you want to jump in. No, well, I was I had a third point, so I didn't I didn't want to train you, even though I'm ready uh, to, but I think a third comment would be there's, I I want to make a, swipe, uh, a slight quibble uh, on, a, on, a, on a small point, but I think it's important, and, and I also don't want to insinuate that necessarily that I'm necessarily in disagreement with either of you or Wabalu, our, our commenter in this case, uh, simply because I don't think he fleshed this part out, so it's, it's entirely possible that we agree. Uh, he just didn't flesh out that part of his argument. Uh, but I, I'm very resistant to the idea of any language that sort of puts blame at the feet of big business. Now, that might sound surprising if you've listened to either any of the previous pod podcasts or any of the radio show or anything I've ever said. That seems contrary, but I, I'll be very specific about why, why I'm saying that is the idea is that that's, it's, it goes along with my thing about big business and multinational corporations being amoralistic. Not immoral, but amoral. They're machines that are functioning the way that they've been designed to function, which is that they have a legal responsibility to maximize profit to shareholders and all these things. Not a responsibility, they're compelled to. They have no choice. So in a lot of ways, um, this is why, you know, for instance, I would say, you know, why I think that, you know, Coke might be, quote-unquote, an evil company. I don't believe in actual evil, so I just mean, you know, negative impacts. Uh, but I would, uh, but I don't necessarily blame. You know, it doesn't mean I would say anyone who works for Coke is evil or has done anything wrong. It's because the, the it's a, simply it's a machine that's we've wound it up and it's doing what it's been programmed to do. In the same way that you know you could like start your gas lawnmower and let it go, and then go in the house and start reading a book, and then like a, ten minutes later it runs over some little girl's foot, and it'd be like, damn lawnmowers. No, it's doing what it was programmed to do, and you just didn't give it any further direction than to keep plowing off in this in this direction. And I think, and I think to that extent, we're very much responsible for what big corporations have done because we've given them certain regulations, uh, certain things, and then and then nothing else. Right? We haven't programmed any pr formula into them for moralistic or uh, or societal benefit. It, their only requirement is maximize profit, and they're doing that. They're, it's a machine that's functioning the way that it's been programmed. So I, I don't. I, it's not that I want to disagree with Wobbly or anyone who uh, on that point. It's that I think it goes one step not too far, which is that we shouldn't be placing blame at the feet of these corporations. They're mindless machines that are operating the way that they were programmed to. We need to go one step further and say that we need to take responsibility for placing limitations with through incentives on them that you need to account for that within that maximizing profit that not destroying the earth and, you know, not 
getting things. Uh, we talked about a, a documentary recently about uh, killer Coke, mm-hmm. and you know, don't buy Coke because some. And what ended up being the details of that was that some small company that was associated with Coke as a bottler had hired, you know, through somebody, someone at that, you know, see, when you get down to it, it's not like someone at a corporate office phoning in hits. It's someone, but but it's all part of the same system, right? The pressure to maximize profit when filtered down through these big systems creates situations where some small guy at some small factory feels like the best way for him to do what he needs to do is to is to hire some hit squad. So we can't, we can't divorce those two things, but you also have to also, I, I think it's very, very important to take a consideration for how it ended up there. And it's not just evil corporations. It's, it's a system that's a problem, and these machines are simply operating the way that they've been programmed within the existing system. Right. I think that's really critical to understand. Right. And I think, I, I think part of what, what I want to stop you there for is the fact that what I think is interesting is the way the comment is worded, is that they're not blaming corporations for the, anything. Mm. They're stating that corporations dominate the societal consciousness, mm-hmm. which I think is is, is, a, is, a, is a slight different point, but I think sort of sidesteps your criticism, which is the fact that yet the fact that big business, we, we've, we've allowed big business and we've allowed sort of this culture of money to dominate our society. Mm. Um, and that's on us. Mm-hmm. The fact that we, the fact that, you know, that we can have Times Square and Young Adena Square and that the way and all of the lights and all of the pretty things you see are all advertisements rather than, you know, art installations stems from the fact that we've accepted this world where <clears throat> money is king. Mm. And I think what, what, what's going on here, I think, and which I think is, 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 is an interesting, interesting conversation to have it alone, is the idea that we have basically a situation where what has been dominating in society, the understanding of the dominant society of way we've judged ourselves for at least 50 years, is that more stuff is better. And, <clears throat> and keeping up with the Smiths is the most important thing. That kind of, that kind of thing. And I think because, the way, because of that system, that has allowed big business to dominate society because of the fact that money is king, advertisements is how you get more money, and everything like that. So everything else, so that's the, I think that's the difficulty. So I think by saying we're not necessarily blaming them, or what they're doing is sort of being like, this is how it works right now. I think that that part of it is indisputable. Mm. I don't think there's any question that that a vast percentage of things we hear come from large corporations that are trying to sell something. There's 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 absolutely no way that's not true. Mm. Absolutely no way. And whether or not, and whether or not we can sort of shift that to something else is still in question. And I'd be great if we could. Mm-hmm. But that's that's more on us as a society rather than on the big businesses to change their ways. It's us as a society have to accept that you know what we're new. We're going to put advertisements where we think they need to go, and we're going to sort of accept and encourage other things in the rest of this field of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And let's really support that. Yeah, it, it, just as a final clarification, I think uh, the emphasis I wanted to place though is that I don't like. I just want to prevent people from going, oh, big business or multinational right, yeah. corporations are the problem. You know, if I hate Coke or if I boycott Coke or Texaco or any of these companies, that I'm, you know, solving the problem. Mm. No, you're not. Because even if you wiped out Coke out uh, off the map, it, it's Coke and Pepsi and Texaco and, and Syncrude and all these companies, they're just products of the system. Another company will fill that void. Right, you're not addressing the problem. You're addressing a symptom, and and Although, and, and evil quote unquote evil corporations are symptoms of a broken system, not isolated evil people doing evil. That if right. you defeat them, evil ends. Right, and Although, I just want people to understand that. Yeah. Although, I, as I, before I get Dave last part on this, before we move on to the actual show, it has been shown that 
attack that boycotting specific companies for specific practices has been very effective. It is mm-hmm. in fact how you know Forest Ethics got a lot of their victories, how Nike sort of cleaned up some of its act in the nineties. There's been examples of where boycotts have been very effective in that you choose a topic that they're bad at, you force them into the The Same reason why Coke actually has had a lot of work uh, reducing its water usage in India uh, that sure. is because that the, the bad we got bad press in two thousand five and they were like, all right, we've got to do something about this and they've been working on it. I, I'm also I'm also not saying not to take action right. or things. Like clearly it does, but it's my, my point is that it's like taking an aspirin for a headache when the reason you got the headache is because you have an abusive boyfriend who's right. punching you in the head. Right. Yeah, it's going to make you feel better, but it's not you, you won't you'll never solve the problem yeah. that way. You'll make slow incremental adjustments that way, but it's not the route to solving the actual right. problem. Right. All right, Dave, last thoughts on this comment? Um, there's a critique of, of, of what uh, is, I guess, somewhat thought of as late capitalism, which what we're currently in, um, at least delivered by Mark Kingwell that I was listening to, which is not that we we long we try to define ourselves through the products that we purchase, but that the whole the whole um, structure of capitalism is actually is built into social life in the sense that individuals uh, sell themselves as products um, in terms of furthering their career. Or and I also read this thing that was talking about the AGO's um, current um, exhibition of all these big artists from the early 20th century and how they thought that their art was going to change the world. And the, the, the article in the, I don't know, some local newspaper said um, that no one, no artist thinks about themselves that way anymore, that they said that it's all about getting shows and getting commissions and furthering yourself in the whatever capitalist system. <laughs> so it's not as if I think the, the idea that, advertisements are all we hear and that's what gets built into our ideas and that we have to just keep purchasing these things. I think that's becoming less relevant and more more relevant is the social relationships that the system actually creates. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's and I guess you, 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 you could tie that into a lot of a lot of social media as well. Like, like look at us right now selling ourselves. Yeah, we're selling we're selling our own media. Yeah. But I think that's why that's sort of why I wanted to make the comment about the mm-hmm. business thing because I don't I think their influence as far as like the amount we're exposed to it is getting quote unquote worse. Um, but I think people are a lot better getting a lot better equipped to navigate that. So like the symptom of turning yourself into a product is simply, I think individuals recognizing that that's how, you know, companies are doing it. And so it's sort of like, we've sort of learned from them and been like, Oh, I should just do that because I can profit off it too. But with that comes an aware, like having that awareness means you're aware of the system, which means it doesn't work as well on you as well. So we're kind of turning yourself into a product while making yourself more resistant to those more generalized Mm -hmm. subconscious bombardments of local And hopefully it leads to a flip over, but Yeah, we could, you know. Um, all right. So that was, so that's, those are general responses on the actual, on the actual uh, comment. I think uh, the least disagreement between the three of us ever. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, we're at it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, thank you, Wabalu, for bringing us all together. Uh, <laughs> as your last comment said, you know, they thought, uh, yeah, the end of the comment. Too. Yeah, exactly. We've, we have so much agreement. It's excellent. Uh, but the to explain what we actually wanted to do with this episode, mm-hmm. this sort of do, this is sort of a flashback episode, something we Darren and I had been working on before, mm-hmm. uh, which was a sort of YouTube series of in which we brought one new guest on, and then we all asked the question, we all had to answer the questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question was over the green line, is what we had called it. The pilot, we can go. Yeah, pilot. 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 Yeah, let's pilot. Might come back. Mm-hmm. We we know if we if, if we uh, if we have time. Uh, support us, and we'll, we'll, we want to see that. That's, that's, you know, if enough members tell us that we, they want over the green line to come back, we will, we will get on that. Uh, but the point of this is that we will, we'll do this, and we'll set up a, I think we'll set up a similar sort of, uh, system, which is that in the, in, in that we get about 10 minutes, uh, approximately 10 minutes to talk about it, we also are a little bit over, 
and then we cut it because we have three questions to go through. So we each brought a question, I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is now, we're now at 15 minutes into the podcast. So what we'll do is give ourselves about 10 minutes each, and then we'll be about, what, 45 minutes, and then we'll be done. So that's the whole idea. All right, so uh, what we'll do then is we'll start with with you, Darren. All uh, right. So what's your question? I am ready. Uh, my question uh, is, w- with regards to how much, uh, there's a lot of people who sort of when they're younger uh, tend to be more active, and then people tend to be less active as they get older. It te- usually that's because sort of real life takes over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my question is, is do what are your thoughts on the ability of people to still be sort of active as they get quote-unquote real jobs and start to make families and all that stuff, does that basically kill any hope of environmentalism ever being a thing if basically after 31 you basically, like, everybody drops out of the fight? Mm. Is Um, that a true observation? And and comment on it. So I guess there's a bit of an open-ended, but I'm just very interested in your thoughts on that phenomenon. Um, Can I start if you want to? Go for it. All right. I would say that I think there's definitely, it's inarguable that's a part of it, I think. Uh, but I think what often happens, and what, what I think is actually quite interesting, I think we'll, we'll really find out, I think, as, as our generation ages. When we hit maybe 35, 40, we'll really find out if we have any help. I would argue that just because it was part of the question was, I mean, we're talking about environmentalism being young people since, like, the 50s. So it's not like we're the first generation to test it. For sure. But there's ever-increasing more and more ways to use your power within the system to push forward environmentalism. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because one of the things you happens when you are 30, 31, you get a real job, is then you actually have money. Mm -hmm. And how you spend that money can very, very, very alter the status quo. Mm-hmm. And if you get enough people, it's sort of why, you know, it's why, you know, recycling is now a thing. Everyone recycles now, because if you grow up recycling, then you continue to recycle. It's mm-hmm. just that sort of works. If you grow up eating local food or going to farmer's markets to your field, that's another thing you'll start, you, you, you can continue doing. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think what, it, what it comes down to is while a lot of people do end up sort of, quote unquote, leaving uh, the actual sort of go out protest activist kind of subset of the environmentalism, as more and more environmental fields increase, and as jobs in the environmental field increase, which is the case, environmental jobs are one of the few growing sectors in our economy right now, that's an avenue where you can both settle down while still pursuing the fight. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's a big part of it, is that when, when, they, you know, when people were you know, 20s and th- like 20, 30 years ago, when they grew up, their jobs weren't available to them to sort of join this sort of movement. That wasn't available to them. And maybe in their part of the reason they fought for these new jobs that are now available to us when you hit that time. Also, it comes down to whether or not you can keep your sort of activism in smaller ways, or you will push in smaller ways, or, or more, maybe more just more money-driven ways. You know, what really happens is that you sort of shift from having more time on your hands to having more money on your hands. Mm-hmm. You run out of time, you gain some money. Now, maybe a bunch of poor 32-year-olds with two children will be, will, will be against me on that, but uh, if I had two children right now, I would my children would be dying. I would they'd be taken away from me. I could not raise two children. They, I would lose my children immediately. Whereas, uh, you know, because that, that's the level of not having money I am. You just have to get a real job. I have to get a real job. Exactly. But I think... I think there's hope in the environmental movement because as we continue to move forward, the power that will be given to the, us and the ways to sort of support institutional change by supporting 
and by working for companies and by supporting other groups with our actual funding will continue. And I think that's I think that's that's where my hope comes from. Uh, Dave. I'd agree with that. I also think there's a way of uh, organizing the family itself um, in order to uh, stay active. Like, families, like, say a couple likes to travel uh, a lot in their whatever, as they're falling in love or something, and they get married and they like to travel, and then they decide to have a kid, and one of them gets upset that, oh, now we're not going to travel anymore, we're just settling down, it's all over. Um, there, are, I think there are ways to be parents... That isn't just like leaving your kids alone or just, or just like doting on them all the time, but involving them in your actual professional life in a way that isn't, um, just like boring to them or assuming that they're not going to enjoy what you're doing. Like going out on activist trips, you could, you could bring your kid, like even though you're a little, yeah, even though you're a little bit preoccupied, they can still play a role in that. That's why there's two here. Yeah, one of them being preoccupied. Exactly. No, uh, the reason I was thinking, because, I mean, it is something where I've just been speaking to a lot of people recently about, you know, oh, you know, we're glad what we're doing or whatever. I used to, whatever. And it's sort of the way it's been presented to me is sort of people, I don't even want to use the word admitting, just saying um, that they aren't sort of active anymore and that they had been. And I was sort of wondering if, you know, I don't, I'm way too stubborn and way too, focused on this to sort of think that, that I would ever find myself in such a position, but I just wonder if, you know, all of our allies uh, over time will sort of slowly drift away as it seems that has been the case before us. And I just, it, it not even makes me concerned, it just, it's just strategic awareness to know that you might have to start, start looking for different kind of support in different kind of ways if you want to keep going. Because so many people before us have sort of not made it. It's I kind of feel like, I don't know why I have this obsession with using violent imagery, but I sort of feel like it's the uh, getting off the U-boat, you know, at D-Day. And you're sort of looking at it and be like, well, look, you know, I might think that I have a really good chance of doing this, but there's a lot of dead bodies on the beach in front of me. Here goes. Yeah. You know? I also think it's, it's like a, I mean, it's an impetus to forge uh, connections with younger generations. I mean, like us working with older people or older people working with us. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a, it's a, it's a knot to tie uh, throughout. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think also there's, I think two minor points. One is that you often see, and I've, I've read studies on the sort of how environmentalism has ebbed and flowed in salience, basically. Mm-hmm. How there's, you know, there's sometimes where it's huge, like early 1990s it was huge, and then it sort of just died. And I think we're sort of seeing a build-up again now. It's not as, as more and more climate disasters and more and more sort of massive, massive... But uh, it's really cold stuff, and there's no such thing as climate change. But see, I think what's, 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 actually, what's actually surprising about that, which I love about that, is... <laughs> it's now, ridiculous. The backlash on that is sort of taking over now. I think yeah. it, it's you now see almost every article that comes out about this being like, no, this is still this. It it's only took like, you guys ten years. Hey, but at least it's happened. Like it's 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 now to the case where that is the dominant paradigm. Is every when you hear about that, there's a bunch of articles being jokes about like, no, this isn't the case. But it's been to the extent where that now is no longer an argument, and it was ten years ago, and it's insane that it was ten years ago. Well, it's really a bad thing. thing. It's just a misunderstanding of what global and climate change actually mean. Like, right, but I mean, well, but I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's a good. Like, I'm just saying the fact that the article saying no, this isn't the case, or the article is explaining why, or like, it's permeated so much that this XKCD comic recently released about this. Amazing. Issue. If you Fantastic. do not know what XKCD is, yeah. you must now know. Yeah, I'm sure they, they have can. a random but, comic generator, like a random comic of yeah. his, just hit random. Yeah, twenty times in a row. Yeah, exactly. I'll post the <laughs> post link to the one I'm talking about right now under under the show. 
And the other topic I want to get to, which sort of ties back to the whole Beyond Green thing, because of the fact that I think right now we're not seeing a huge movement, hmm. uh, but also because right now the fact I think that after all those people who were, you know, were talking to you who said that we were doing stuff, I think is an untapped resource that when the tipping point comes, that could be a huge advantage for the environmental movement. In that, even at Beyond Green, at the very last talk, at the very, very end of it, there was one person who asked, what can we do to get my... One of the questions, what can we do to get my parents interested? Mm. And then a woman, not even two or three rows back, was like, look, I'm the person you're talking about. I'm 45, I'm doing all this other stuff, and we need you guys to wake us up. And I think the fact that there's all these people who are probably identify with this woman, who was like, I'm 45, I'm very busy, but if you gave me one thing to go do in this sort of fight, mm. I would be there. I think that could really come back and help the environmental movement at some point. I think there's, there's so you have a whole bunch of you're, you're you're perhaps letting the cat out of the bag that we have sleeper cells all over the place. Yes, <laughs> yeah, so yeah sleeper nice. cells, and they're they're taking their kids to school. Where where do we? Is there a button that 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 uh, the, like the smiley face button so that CSIS doesn't bust in the door? I don't know. I'm not supposed to see. I bet you some members of CSIS probably were were hippies when they were younger. Yeah. No, I'm just concerned that they'll mistake that for actual sleeper cells. <laughs> yeah. Well, our sleeper cells are just the 70 year old hippies who are actually sleeping. Yes. That's that's what we've got. <laughs> Literal we've got sleeper under, cells. That's what we've got. Under they're our actually mouths. napping. Yes. So maybe we should call them napping cells. Just so there we not, go. Yeah. It's, it's less less enti- Afternoon it's napping cells yeah. sounds a lot less uh, terroristic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that was our 10 minutes. Dave, what do you got? So my question is about the value of um, considering how we conceptualize the environment or environmentalism. Like, because there's, there's that old, or somewhat old, I guess by now, idea that the environment is fundamentally a health issue. You can think of environment being a justice issue. You can think of environment being uh, an aesthetics issue. So, um, like, and, but you can also think of, which is sort of what I like to think of it as, which is potentially not helpful at all and just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Um, of, of, of the idea of calling everyone environmentalist, um, just because everyone is inherently interested in their own surroundings. Mm. That um, is the basis of the name of my show. That's, that's what the green majority means, is that oh, whether yeah. you think so, or, or it's, it's, it's how I've repurposed it mm. for, uh, since I took over the show, was that basically the idea was, to my definition, everybody's an environmentalist. That's mm. basically what I mean by that. Yeah. It's just that I have to wake them up that they are because they didn't know that X connected to Z, and yeah. if they did, they'd care. Yeah. That's the whole basis That's of the show. Too. And, and, but I, think, I feel like that sentiment inherently leads to the idea of it simply being a justice issue because then it's just the poor and disenfranchised who have to deal with the shit, mm. the shitty environments to mm-hmm. live in, right? The people who don't have social or like physical mobility yeah. to get out of those places. Yeah. So... What's the value of the way we conceptualize environmentalism? Cool. I think, well, interesting, that's a, that's a, it's an excellent topic. And also, we sort of briefly talked about who is an environmentalist earlier in the show. I think it was sec- episode two or something. So if you're watching this backwards or something, we'll get to a, a, a longer discussion of something similar to this. Don't start reverse time, time coding podcasts. Reverse Definitely. time, we're gonna time end coding. Up, we're gonna get, end up with some sort of like, where we're going, we don't need roads type shit, yeah. and I just, you know what's happening? I'm not sure I can do that. It's already happening. <laughs> uh, point is, point is that I really think that's a question that sort of people have been sort of banding about for a long time, and I, I like the idea of thinking of it, like, there's a reason why environmental justice is one of the things that has big, has grown and grown and grown. In a, in, a, in a movement, and as a, as a subsection of environmentalism, even to the extent where environmental justice is almost a, uh, almost like a splinter group of what means to environmentalists think. There's a whole battle of, you know, it's often just sort of things like, let's get these terrible things outside of our, outside of poor neighborhoods. 
is a is is a big part of it, which isn't really talked about in mainstream environmentalism, who are much more focused on climate change. Mm. And I think also what's interesting about that is it sort of ties back to a thing I wrote about, or I haven't posted yet, but it'll show up eventually. It was a whole paddle beat whether or not climate migrants or climate dis- people displaced by climate or people who are climate migrants. Uh, and there's an article written about how there won't be nearly as many climate migrants as you think there are, because most people just who are displaced by climate change will just move within their country. And migrants, by definition, have to leave their country. And I thought this was the most ridiculous article I've ever read, because basically... Why do you write an entire article with saying, I want to nitpick the definition of a word, but otherwise I agree with this completely. Go <laughs> fuck off. Get the fuck out of here. Like, why do you write was, an article saying yeah. you disagree on one definition of one well, word? Well, the, the problem with the article was that they didn't fuck actually even say that. They never they never mentioned the idea of the difference. They, they, that was the most annoying thing about the article. The article basically ended up being like, look, there won't be as many climate migrants, and so that was how they ended. Which, I, was, which is what really bothered me. Thank um, you, Czech from Texaco. <laughs> but uh, the, what really gets to me, um, or what I thought was interesting about that, was it goes back to the idea of it really, really, really is the poor that will suffer the massive, massive damages that you'll see in climate change. Yeah, when they mean move, they don't mean pack it up in a nice car and then pay a company to you know reset it up in your new house yeah. for you. It's like drag the half of the shit that hasn't fucking drowned yet into a cart and carry it there. Yeah, well, that was, and that was, so that was the funny thing about reading, uh, reading about the displacement was the, basically one of this, this group that I was reading about, uh, Climate Migration UK. They have a whole thing about this. Basically, their argument was that people are too poor to be able to actually move out of their country so they won't become migrants. They'll just be displaced. And... They'll just scorch. Yeah, and, and I was like, okay... I understand that, that the word doesn't fit, but shouldn't they be helped more then? <laughs> like, the fact that here's a bunch of people who are so poor, they can't really get away from climate change. They'll just move somewhere else within their country. And it's not like, it's not like my life would be any harder for me if I had to move from here to United States or from here to, you know, somewhere else. Like, Thunder Bay. Thunder Bay, yeah. Like, it's, like, I, theoretically, you could argue that having to get refugee status would be difficult. They could send me back to here. But basically, moving your entire life is going to be inherently disruptive. If you ha- if we had to vacate the bottom 5% of Canada, that's yeah. 98% of our population is now moving from the comfortable cities they live in to some fucking shack in the middle of the Canadian Shield. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. They're, they're still within Canada. They're just migrants. They're not migrants. They're not they're displaced. Or they're displaced, yeah. Not displaced migrants. from a city to a fucking, like, scavenged wasteland. Yeah. Asshole. I, yeah, and I think, I think that ends up being... I think that ends up being the key here is that... I really think you could... I, what's interesting, I think the reason why people don't just switch to the straight up uh, this is a justice issue is because of the history of environmentalism has brought a lot of people who think Earth has a inherent value, blah, 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 which I agree with. But they're also the people who don't want us to be only talking about human loss and human hmm. difficulties. And it almost makes sense to me that if we split those two, being like, yes, all this bad things happening, but also, like, that's what I, what I always go to, is that you don't have to give a shit about the environment to care about climate change. You can literally think anything you want about climate change, about, about, about the environment, but if you care about your fellow person, and if you care about any equality at all, tackling climate change has to be done. And so I think I would agree with you that thinking of it as just a justice issue is an interesting way of putting it. 
I think that the environmental movement will inherently fight against it because they want yeah. they don't want you to be like, no, we still need to save the whales. Which I'm I mean, all for saving whales. Eco justice, like justice yeah. for other animals and life forms. Yeah, you do that, but then, but I think that honestly, I think the strongest play environmentalists can make is mm-hmm. by just saying we. Yeah. It's 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 about humans. It's 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 actually a huge pet peeve of mine. I swear to God, I'll be really short. It's a huge pet peeve pe- 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 of mine because people are always saying to me, and I always hear everywhere about, you know, we get, we, I, we're, we, we shouldn't be doing this thing anymore as if there's this like big trend to talk about the environment in the sense, in the sense of dollars and cents. And so anytime I try and say, well, you know, there's also, you know, we don't need to use an ethical argument. We have a salient cash argument. Like, here's a dollar value that you can then add your ethical argument to. But no, no, no. Well, we don't want to do that. We want to. Em- Nobody ever like it's like people talk about it as if the only way the environment is ever talked about is in a tangible monetary sense. But the reason we haven't solved any fucking problems is because nobody's talking about it in a monetary sense. People refuse to put dollar values on things. Well, okay, like you might not like that, but you want to talk about a really fast way for things to happen. You can't have big business valuing nature if you don't give them a fucking dollar. So let's start somewhere. But it's like it drives me mental because like. Your in your ethical argument isn't going to work on some people. The money argument, guess what, works on both. Whether or not the ethical ethical argument people want to admit it or not, you start threatening their paycheck, they're going to get on board. So what's the one argument that works on everybody? Money. So let's talk about money. Like you said, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just because there's this constant pushback to not talk about it that way, and it's the most useful way to get stuff done is to talk about it that way. And it's not that I think it's the it's not that I'm throwing out the ethical argument. I just I I can't stand this knee jerk allergic reaction to environment people talking about the most possibly convincing argument that they could make for their case and, like, not liking it and not wanting to use it. Well, then it's your fucking fault when nothing happens. So we all, do, all. We all do think that it's important how we conceptualize. Uh, oh, for sure. I think it's... I, I would argue that conceptualizing the environment, understanding how you want to talk about it, is arguably more important than anything else you do. Just adding quickly to the eco-justice thing. I you, think, have, you have a bit of time. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's, in a sense impossible, or at least disingenuous, to attempt to think of environmentalism or the future of the planet due to our actions in any sort of non-anthropocentric uh, sense. Mm-hmm. In terms of... Like, I, I, I do think it's it's a type of hubris to think that you are morally superior because you're looking beyond the benefits of your own species. As if, like... Um, as if we didn't get to this point... Uh, as if, as if human interests aren't first in your life. You know, like I speak right. to some people and they're like, humans are the worst species on the planet, man. If only we could all just die, I would totally push that button. <laughs> and it's like, no, you wouldn't. That doesn't make any sense. It's the worst thing you could possibly do. Humans, at least from our perspective, are obviously the best species on the planet. It does not make sense to assume or put any by more... By our own superior... standards, admittedly. Yeah, well, by our own standards, <laughs> but I mean, even by nature's standards. We've already dominated. And we've already, like, if you we're think, winning if, the earth. Even we're if you we're winning of, the battlefield of even earth. Even if you think of life, as, even if you think of better life as intelligence, or you can think of it as the capacity to suffer, uh, they sort of go hand in hand. Like humans, um, you think of uh, an expand a, a larger type of consciousness that also includes a larger type of suffering. So human issues are inherently more important, especially to us. Um, and like how like how can you even assume that you can even step beyond the perspective of your own species? Mm-hmm. Um, because through our own through our own conceptual frameworks, we do suffer more than other creatures. We're capable of suffering more than other creatures, and therefore we need to put ourselves first. And not that we shouldn't care about other creatures or like try to treat them in a nice way, but I just I just think it's logically incoherent to to always to say that um, 
to try to look beyond uh, human interests for for saving the environment. Yeah, if, because even the aesthetic of the Earth, if you're like, oh, we need to start because it's beautiful, that's a human aesthetic. Yeah. The, the, the only place I would quibble with what you're saying, but not take the opposite position, would mm. be that I I think that, and, and I'm not even saying that you misunderstood it, I think there's a lot of people who do say and think the way that you were describing, mm. but I think there's another way to look at that that is legitimate, mm. which is that it's it's you can't separate humans and the rest of the species. We're mm. all part of one integrated network, and so in a very real and non- quote-unquote hippy-dippy, uh, non-spiritual, I don't mean emotionally, I mean in a very literal, physical way. Yeah. Our survival and ability to enjoy our life and to have things that we want is very much directly and tangibly linked to yeah. everything else in that And that's still an anthropocentric... And so, yeah, so I'm, I, I'm actually very much in favor of the anthropocentric... It's, it, George Carlin said, it's not the Earth that's in trouble, it's fucking us. The Earth will be fine. You know, it might freeze over for a while and something else will happen, but, like, the Earth doesn't give a shit. We're not going to destroy the Earth. It's us that's in trouble. I totally agree with that viewpoint. I just think you need to mention into that yeah. the understanding that their sur- our survival is dependent on theirs. Mm-hmm. And so I think you should value all life, but from a very, like, because it suits me. It, it benefits me to do so point of view, which I think is a bit of a hybrid, and I think it's a very constructive hybrid because it's also the truest. Actually, like, just in a technical sense, mm-hmm. right? Our, our, you know, so our, our survival doesn't depend on one specific type of tropical fish, mm-hmm. but fish in general being a thing, yeah, we're pretty fucking dependent on that. And not even just, like, in ways that we couldn't possibly even understand right now because the web of life is so much more complex. The only thing we know about it, for certain about the web of life, is that we should fuck with it as little as possible. <laughs> Every time we do, it's like going back in time travel. Everything you touch has a possibility to have a butterfly effect to fuck you over. So you should try and touch as few things as possible when time traveling. And when we're talking about global ecological systems, definitely. Shoot a wolf? Fine. Poison all wolves because we don't like them? Yeah. Or I mean, Okay. Like you know, poaching... you could come back and, you know, Homer Simpson's president. <laughs> yeah, or poaching lions. Like, it's not as if, it's not as if, like, I think, or any of us think that we should be poaching lions. <laughs> but, uh, like, because that is not, that's not, that has nothing to do with our survival. That's just... Being a douche for sport, yeah, essentially. Like I'm gonna go screw over another creature's life. Killing, uh, yeah, it's killing like, a lion. But if we're talking about like killing all lions, mm-hmm. now we're taking an entire, we're taking a major important component of a massive ecosystem mm-hmm. out of play, which will throw that entire. Yeah. Well, I don't ecosystem think we should be killing any lions. So, like, if you no, but it, like my argument would be like, yeah, I don't really lose a ton of sleep over one. Like, I don't get over to sentimental about mm-hmm. one lion. But we're not killing one lion. We're killing all of the lions. And removing a major predator yeah. from a major ecosystem, that will have direct impacts on us. So that's why I care. It's very anthropocentric. Yeah. I want to I come out and say that I'm against all lion death. <laughs> I want to make... I know it's a controversial opinion, but I think lions should be left alive. Yeah. Uh, I, always, I always prefer, you know, less harm to more... Or, yeah. yeah, I always prefer less harm to more harm. But, like, I always prefer more harm to less. I, 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 I differ. <laughs> I don't understand. But it's, uh, I don't lose as much sleep over a lion getting shot right. as some other people do. Right. But that doesn't mean that I don't recognize that I'm completely on 98% of the degrees in, on the ideological side of the person who does mm. than the p- person who doesn't for right. a different reason. Yeah. Right. All right. So we're a uh, little, we're a little over now, but we still have a bit of time. So I'm going to throw out mine. And mine actually comes from, uh, basically I spent all of my last night reading about pharma statistics. But the one part of this person, uh, because we got, I got, I got a comment on our, our YouTube video that recently got on Upworthy, so thousands more people saw it, which obviously made one farmer see it, and this one farmer did not like it so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I thought was interesting about his whole comment, most of his comment, well, I'll post a blog post later about basically talking about the whole thing, but what I found most interesting about his comment, the one thing that I think most, most resonated with, I imagine a lot of people, 
was that he basically said, so you're complaining about such cheap food? Why are you complaining about such cheap food? We have the most efficient, abundant, amazing food system we have ever had before. That's factually untrue, probably. Well, uh, (laughs) they make, there's a lot of food. Okay. Um, but I, no, but the, and he, I, I, don't, I didn't read the article, so yeah. I don't know if he used words like efficient and stuff like no, that. I, I, but all efficient of, might not have been the word. He's like, we have cheap food. Yeah, yeah, basically, basically, it, does, it, it does function in the yeah. same way that like your grandfather's car, it functions. Mm. Right. Well, like, but they make a lot of food on less land. Like Basically, they've managed to dramatically, they've decreased land size while increased production over the last hundred years. It's crazy. The point of but what I want to get to, and what I think is an interesting more... Just, discussion to have with environmentalists is the fact that there is at some point, and we ran into it at the end of the video, there is some point where what I have to end up saying is yes, I don't want food to be this cheap. Make me pay more. Mm. And that is so not a thing that anyone ever says in our society that which which thrives on sales and I don't have a lot of money I can't afford a lot of food if it was more expensive mm. so there's a like so you can't just and because and that's a big problem you can't just come out and say I think food is more expensive because the immediate response is well what about the people who are already struggling you're just going to make them starve Mm-hmm. And there's, I think there's no sense to get around that. You can sort of, you know, I, what my first response it's was... Assuming a similar degree of social assistance. That yes, exactly. And also, the, the, you know, I think there's also a lot to be said for the fact that we waste 40% of the food mm-hmm. that we create. Mm-hmm. And so, stop wasting that food, and there's you're already solving a lot of problems. So I think there's a lot of different ways to get around it, but I wanted to throw this out to you guys of the idea of how do you make that case that, yes food, and really everything in our society should cost more. I'm going to throw out your question, so I'll let Dave go first before I attack your question. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you attack it first? Uh, no, I, we've, we've had this on the podcast before. I don't think that's true. It, it's, 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 patent, it's patently absurd to say so. Because, yes, in a very simplistic sense, uh, if, if you want to be more... Okay, in the sense that you're describing it, but the sense that you're describing it is within a microcosm. And when you put that into the rest of the system... No, it doesn't, because, like, all the fuel, like, it, it's assuming it's assuming that if you did the things that you're proposing, but nothing else changed, but that would never happen. Other things in the system would change when you changed your initial thing, and that would adjust for it. Like, in the same way that, like, people are like, oh, we have to invade Iraq because we need cheap gas. Gas isn't cheap now. We're subsidizing the shit out of it. We're already subsidizing a bunch of our food stuff. So if we're talking about, like, all of, if, if, so if, say, like, Carbon pricing comes in. Now all food's going to go up anyway. Like we're artificially lowering it, and we can keep doing that. So it it isn't true that food necessarily has to go up for it to be more sustainable. It might require that we eat different food because of pricing indicators on certain types of things that are less sustainable. But feeding yourself with something will does not have yes, to go up. I, that I, is I, not true. And I think there's there's an important distinction to make there. In that one thing that is certainly true is that a more sustainable way of feeding ourselves would dramatically limit the types of products available in different places. That is definitely true. Uh, and, like, to the extent where, you know, even, like, 30, 40 years ago, I was talking mm-hmm. someone who, like, avocados didn't exist in Toronto. Yeah. Because they just couldn't make them here. I think avocados should be $7. Right. Great. Yeah. What a perk. But, like, Delicious. things, you know, food food to survive, like, the cost of living mm-hmm. does not have to go up. That is not true. Right. Well, then, but then, okay, then, let's slightly alter the question for you, at least. 
how do you make the case to say, you really like the, all these types of foods that you eat, you like the fact that all the advantages to you, how do I come to random person and be like, you know what, you shouldn't eat, be able to eat half the foods you like eating, because they are from some weird place, which we can't continue to artificially ship up here. I would, I would, I would attack the, I would attack the issue the entire inverse way. You are already receiving a massive discount for this, and while this discount seems nice when you're paying for the actual food, it hurts you in these other areas. So we're going to shift. We're going to recorrect the pricing to its true pricing, which unfortunately will be higher. But you've been you've been paying for this in other ways before. We're just making the price more visible in the price tag. It's like. Uh, when your Rogers says your package is going to be $49 and then you're actually getting a bill for 89 except that's what's happening with our food, except the, the difference between the 49 and the 89 is simply showing up somewhere else you're not aware of it, right? And you can demonstrate that. That's true, right? So what you do is you start that way. You say, hey, look, this isn't actually cheap food. You're, you're paying for it in other ways. You show them that, and then you say, we're going to give you the true cost of food. It's going to seem higher in these things. It's also going to seem lower for these things. But at the end of the day, here, look, it's not actually more expensive. We're just putting the actual costs to where the costs actually are instead of hiding them in other places, which, we're, which is what we're doing now. Will everybody like that? No. But I, 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 it's, I don't think it's as straightforward as food prices will go up. Right. Because, like, they're already, like, and this is the thing that I want to put, like, all these prices on things, they're already completely managed, right? Certain things are regulated. The price of liquor at the liquor store is regulated. We, we get things subsidies to make them cost less. We impose taxes to make them cost more. All of these pricing issues are already constantly played with. So, like, we're not, we're not paying the true cost of food now. Right. We could make it so that it was the exact same. Other shit would go up, but it's, it, it's not that simple. Right. <laughs> I would make a less convincing and less popular uh, case, and just say that uh, <laughs> that you've become that you've simply become accustomed to a way of living and become becoming attached to it, as if a loss of that would actually be a loss of quality of life, mm. or a loss of or a loss of uh, interest in your own life, as if um, you need to gel at all these luxuries in order to have a fulfilling existence. Um, and so I think it's just it's just a, it's just a product of of perspective and attitude towards the actual physical things that you're uh, consuming in your life and assuming that you need. Mm. All right. So 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 you basically be it's like an aesthetic thing. Right. Yeah. So your basic point would be that they are wrong about what they actually want. Um, no, because I think it's good to enjoy steaks and avocados and and uh, expensive. Um, complicated things to attain. And, like, I don't think it's wrong to, 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 to revel in material deliciousness. Right. Mm-hmm. But if something has to happen, you have to be ready to understand that uh, you're not going to be worse off necessarily without them. And I, I, I'll, uh, I'll give my last thought on this, and then we'll sort of try to sum up the thing and look on the day. I think I wrote a very long piece a couple years ago uh, which I don't even know where I post it anymore. It's all about... It you was, probably ripped it up. It's, I probably ripped it up, yeah. Uh, it might actually be the, one of the first blog posts on, on the Greenside campaign website, actually. But it's... The thought was basically what the world would look like if it became and committed itself to being hyper-localized. And one of the things that I found interesting in that thought experiment was the idea that it would almost make... It would, well, it would make traveling, in my eyes, more interesting, more exciting and sort of bring back a little bit of sense of wonder that you have lost now today. Which is that if you, like, like already, you can, there's some, there's small differences. Like, I, you know, if you're in the tropical countries, there's, like, more mangoes. Mangoes are more available to you. But I can still get a mango here. 
And, you know, they might have specific dishes. You can't get exactly how you want it. But you can always get most of the things here. Mm -hmm. Mangoes will be fresher. And I think in a hyper-localized society that sort of has give, that has done away with some of the weird food things we've done, and done away with some of the weird consumer things that we've done, which is basically that, you know, you come to Toronto from China and want to get something that says Toronto on it, guess where it was made? China. Yeah. Like, I think by... By embracing this, I think there's a there could be a a new kind of fun thing about it, which is the idea that look what we've got going on here is this sort of system where now traveling has a whole new level of exoticness which we have, which we have lost currently in a globalized system, and so perhaps there's this sort of un unseen advantage that what what we could create by doing this. Interestingly enough, that is uh, by the time this is released, it will be already have happened, but Chris Turner's The Leap, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, on, if, you, if you are listening to us now, go over to The Green Majority and listen to the, the radio show from Friday, which we interviewed Chris Turner, uh, because his one of his big things about The Leap was the idea that you cannot see all the advantages of making The Leap until you've made it. And then you sort of can only, see, only in back and only, only retroactively can you see all of the cool things that happened because of it. And I think this kind of move towards a more sustainable food system could be one of these things, which is like, you know what? If you're a cattle rancher in in Texas, you can still be a cattle rancher in Texas. What it means, though, is the price that you will receive for each one of your cattle is way higher, and Texas will be a place where you go to get steaks because that's basically one of the main places they can get steak. Mm. And I think there's... I think it could really bring a whole new kind of fun system to the world where, you know, there are actual places that have differences. Like, the globalized, the, the, the sadness that you lose in globalized society is that there's nothing really unique so much. I mean, you can, like, you can travel anywhere in the world and stay in a Best Western and it will be Best Western. And that's it. Like, that's just the case. You're not going to get any... Well, that's the idea. Like, yeah. the whole idea of McDonald's is that you can go anywhere in the world and the Big Mac tastes like a Big Mac. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I think there's a excitingness that, that could be re-brought back if that was sort of done away with a little bit. So, we're sitting around now, running out of time, obviously. Uh, do either of you have any thoughts on anything you, you, you didn't get to say in the three questions or in the comments, or shall I just wrap this whole thing up? Um, I just want to uh, clarify that I do think, um, I do love animals and think that they need <laughs> to be respected for their own sake and in terms of their own um, lives. And it, it's, it, I think it's, it's a valuable to attempt to uh, consider other species on their own terms. Mm. I just think on a fine technical point, that it's it's absurd to assume that the value we place on them or that will will never will actually authentically come from a place outside of an anthropocentric perspective. I, I very valid point. Yeah, uh, I simply uh, want to add a an idea that I won't get into, but maybe I'll tease it and then maybe we can come back to it because uh, it's related to to your question and right. to my answer uh, to your question, uh, which was the idea that. Um, I've heard of an idea soon, uh, not someone who I think has a, a chance in hell of being elected, but someone who's running on the campaign of replacing all income tax in Canada with carbon tax only. Oh, yeah. All revenue coming from carbon tax. Now, regardless of whether or not you think that idea is plausible, you want to see this leap happen in about five fucking seconds. Yeah. You chain make all tax based on carbon tax. We're going to have a carbon zero, like neutral economy in about five fucking seconds. Yeah. And it, you know what? It wouldn't be half bad. I, I actually don't think it's a half bad idea. Uh, I'd have some other adjustments to it than that sort of simple thing. Like any, like it would only apply to people under 
$150,000 or something like that, and then people richer than that, too bad, we're gonna fucking gouge the shit out of you to make up for all the shit you fucked us over with for the right. past 50 years, but, uh, you know, enough of my war on the rich for now. Uh, <laughs> let's leave it with uh, thinking about the idea about all taxes being replaced right. with carbon tax. Just think about that. Awesome. Uh, so Dave has managed to avoid hate mail, Darren has encouraged hate mail. <laughs> no rich people will listen to this podcast. <laughs> That's a good point. 21 people listen to this, if anyone who, if, if really, if you're one of the 21 people listening to this, and you make more than $150,000 a year, send us some money. Uh, yes. If you own less than three vehicles, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> All right, there we go. If you own the third vehicle, sell that and give us the money. Yeah, and uh, then I don't hate you anymore. Exactly, then we'll love you. Uh, All okay, right, so to play us out as it was as before, it is Will Calls by Grizzly Bear. This is the Diplo remix, who apparently is a person. Uh, you forgot, <laughs> play, you forgot to thank out. me for my bizarrely sexual Sorry. music. Sorry, thank you, Darren, for your bizarrely sexual music. Uh, <laughs> Diplo, the man, the wonder, the grizzly bear. Remix. Thank you.